Hey, this is Tyler Johnson, pastor of Mission Church located in Walnut Creek, California. I want to say thank you for tuning in. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you live the life God called you to live. Enjoy. My name is uh, my name's Chase Wiggins. It's an honor to be with every single one of you this morning. First service was sensational. We had a handful of people respond to Jesus, and I just sense that there's more that need to respond in this service. So y'all got three services now, huh? Two years old, hundreds and hundreds of people. Y'all just growing, making us look bad. I don't, I'm not casual about revival, and I'm not casual about movements of God that seemingly come out of nowhere, and that's what you guys are in. You guys are in a revival. There's no doubt about it. Whether you know it or not, what's happening in Mission Church is not happening in most, most places. God is truly doing a unique work here, and whenever God wants to do something, he chooses, he chooses leaders to do it, and uh, I'm so grateful for your pastors who are leaders to my wife and I, Pastor Tyler and Rachel Johnson. How lovely are they? Are you grateful for them? I love them too. They're a blessing and, and just make sure that y'all love on them. Uh, just being a pastor, sometimes what we can do, what we do, excuse me, can go, un, er, can go underlooked. And, and there's sometimes, man, where you wonder if you're doing a good job and, and your encouragement to them means so much more than you probably know. When you walk up and tell them that you love them, that you're praying for them, when you use God's words to bring life, to breathe life into them, it's, it's truly a supernatural thing. So make sure you love on them well. Amen. Well, uh, I'm going to preach it like I feel it. Has anybody heard me speak here before? Anybody? Okay, cool. So yeah. Cool. So, so, so you guys know. Okay. For those who don't, um, I'm going to tell you a few things about me. I'm a holler back preacher. Um, if something's good, you can say amen. You can get up. You want to take a lap? You could do it. Uh, your neighbor might be scared. I won't. I'll be like, yeah, they're running. What's wrong? Why are you judging them? You know, and uh, I, I come from, I don't come from the church of the chosen frozen. I, I, I come from the church that uh, people participate. So if something's good, you could say, hey, man, you could see, say, preach black boy. I won't get mad at you. You go right ahead and we'll have a good time in the Lord's presence. Amen. Secondly, uh, my wife sends her love to every single one of you. She is on a bachelorette trip just getting back from Mexico. Um, we've been married for almost two years in April. It'll be two years since we've been married. Um, she's, my, she's my better whole. I don't say better half. She's my better whole. She was whole before me because she had Jesus. And so uh, that's a word. That's for some single people. You're whole right now, whether you know it or not. And if you go into marriage thinking that person will make you whole, give it a month. And you will find out they will not make you whole. Anyway, um, I love her very, very much. And I could not do what I do without her. And she sends her love to every single one of you. Um, I miss her a lot. She's been gone for three days. Where I just used the time that has been allotted to me to talk about what happened yesterday. I came home after speaking at a conference for a couple days with my worship team and my dog completely tore up the remote y'all like i got a little golden doodle he's a year old we named him bubba uh <laughs> he's cute man he's a good looking dog he's a kingdom dog we love him and i just you know he's just a sinner keep him in prayer he just <laughs> and he and he tore up the remote i'm not kidding i wish i had a picture it was like all throughout the house and i was like bubba what'd you do he was just looking at me like <laughs> I know that I'm a wretch, and 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 I was, and I sat down next to him. I was like, "You miss mom too, don't you?" And we just began to talk and converse, and made, <laughs> made each other feel better. Anyway, 
Um, thirdly, I believe church should be enjoyed and not endured. And so I pray that uh, you will know that the gospel is good news. There's a lot of negativity in the church. You're not going to get that here. We got good news. We got good news. And it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's his death, his resurrection, his second coming that will be taking place one day. And you have the opportunity, whether you, whether you know it or not, to play a part in his story to be a part of his story and to think that you have been engrafted into that before time began is a supernatural thing. And so I'm a preach uh, on the mind. I'm preaching a different sermon than I did in first service, but I'm almost going to kind of build on what happened in first service. Um, and we're going to continue to talk about the mind a little bit in our thinking, because the way that we think about God is going to affect how we think about each other. And thinking is very, very important because whether you know it or not, psychology says this, but, but the Bible more so proved this before psychology did, if I could just be candid. Um, your thinking drives your emotions. So you can attach every emotion to a thought that's in your head. And oftentimes what we try to do is we try to change the way that we feel when in reality, God wants to change the way that we think. And so we're going to really kind of, thank you. That is good. Whoever said that, God bless you. Anyway, that's participation. Okay. So, um, and so I, I want to talk about the mind a little bit and we're going to dive into the scriptures and unpack that together collectively. Amen. Cool. Let's stand on our feet for the reading of God's word. If you're able to, we're going to start in Romans 12 verses one through two. We're going to start there and uh, we're not going to finish there though. We're going to start there. Romans 12, one through two, reading out of the ESV. It reads, I appeal to you. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Look at your neighbor and say, I like the way you worship. No diggity. Okay. Uh, I, I don't know that song. Okay. And then he continues to say, now, here's how you have spiritual worship in view of what God did for you. you. You don't want to be conformed to the behaviors of this world, but you want to be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may be able to, to discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. All right, let's go to Luke, Luke chapter 4, verses 38 through 40, I think. I hope I gave you those passages. I don't know if I did. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I give your tech team such a hard time. I change it. Anyway, I love you back there. Thanks for taking care of me. Cool. After leaving the synagogue that day, Jesus went to Simon's home where he found Simon's mother-in-law. Actually, no, that's not where I want to start. Verse 40. My fault, bro. As the sun went down that evening, people throughout the village brought sick family members to Jesus. No matter what their diseases were, I love this, the touch of his hand healed everyone. Mm. Many were possessed by demons, and demons came out at his command, shouting, you are the son of God. To think that demons sometimes know Jesus more than we do is something to process. But because they knew he was the, but because they knew he was the Messiah, he rebuked them and refused to let them speak. Verse 42, and this is, this is where it gets interesting. Early the next morning, Jesus went out to an isolated place. The crowd searched everywhere for him, and when they finally found him, they begged him not to leave them. But he replied... I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God in other towns too, because that is why I was sent. So he continued to travel around preaching in the synagogues throughout Judea. I want to speak to y'all from the topic this morning, the difficulty of moving on. The difficulty of moving on. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, have your way. According to Luke 24, burn hearts and open up eyes to see you. 
my words mean nothing God unless you're upon them so let this service be anointed by heaven let it even be tangibly felt and let everyone know God that you just so deeply love them not because they're good but because you're good and let that just be an ever-present reality God we love you when we worship you and we give you glory and Lord I would be remiss because you said to pray about everything if I didn't lift up the Oakland Raiders to you as well we need you keep us in Oakland we don't want to go to Vegas and all God's people said why didn't you all say amen you guys can be seated yay 49ers you were so close weren't you though almost yeah anyway it's funny I passed through some of the 49ers and this is a true story and I I made a joke about them losing and my boy got legitimately mad at me and I had to like apologize to him I was like, hey, what happened to those Niners? And he texts me, he's like, bro, that might have been too soon. I was like, I love you. You can beat me up. And I love you. Anyway, <laughs> um, I kind of alluded to this thought earlier that, uh, that the, the church can sometimes be a very, very negative place. Um, but sometimes I think that we forget in the church that the world can also be a very, very negative place. It's intriguing that, that when you study psychology, there's something that is known as the negativity bias. And what the negativity bias is, is it's basically a, a, a thought process that studies the fact that you and I have an inclination within us to think far more negative thoughts than we do positive ones. And, and, and what this study shows us is about 80% of our thoughts on a daily basis are negative and not positive. Now what's even more intriguing is that on an average day, depending on how much you think and how much you talk, we think anywhere from 20,000 to 60,000 thoughts a day. This is a very, very big deal. First of all, that's a whole lot of thinking going on. But number two, what I would like to submit to every single one of you is that if we are thinking 20 to 60,000 thoughts a day, and 80% of them are negative, then what that must mean is that the majority of our perspective and the majority of our emotions are going to be negative as well. And I wonder if you were just to sit down and just really think for a moment about a normal day in your everyday life. I would submit to every single one of you that you have an inclination, whether you know it or not, to focus on what is not happening versus all that is. And what can sometimes happen in our spirituality as well is we not, we not only do this, this with, we not, we not only do this with our spouses, we not only do this in our relationships, we not only do this in our jobs, we not only do this in our families, but I would submit to every single one of you that we also do this in our relationship with God. I mean, how many times do we come before God and we're focused on everything he's not doing versus everything that he has done and is currently doing inside of us? And sometimes that can be the negativity bias. Now, the negativity bias has to do with neurological patterns and things of that nature because of our upbringing and our experience that lead us down the trajectory of that path. But I would submit that the primary reason why we have a negativity bias is because of sin. 
Because sin is an inward disease that affects our outward expressions that has affected everything in the earth. I mean, as soon as sin came into the picture, it shifted the perfect design of God into things not being according to his perfect and purposeful will for for you and I. And so what that means is that because of sin, because it's indwelling within us, we have this inward battle on an everyday basis, on an everyday basis with the spirit of God that is living inside of every single one of us who believe in Jesus combating against our flesh, which is the enemy of our souls. And and have you ever like just woken up in the morning and you just know it's going to be a bad day and you have no idea why? Like you just wake up in negativity and you're like, oh, today, this ain't Ice Cube. Today's not a good day. I I hope you don't know that song either. Uh, Yeah, it took me a while. So, so I, I, I don't know if you've, if you've been there, but sometimes the tendency in our faith and in, even in our churches is to really just focus on everything that God is not doing, what isn't happening, what God hasn't done for you. And, and you know what I did a couple years ago? Because I found myself kind of in that space where my thinking was getting like really, really negative. Like we were in the middle of revival and I was being so incredibly negative about everything, critical of everything, meticulous of everything. And one morning I was venting to God and he's like, son, open up your journal from earlier this year. And I began to re- read prayers that I prayed and what I became keenly aware of as I was reading these prayers is that God had answered 90% of them but I didn't I didn't even say thank you I made another list I was like you've answered most of my prayers this year and I haven't even said thank you acknowledged you I've just been making a list and it's been getting longer and longer and longer and longer and longer and I'm like God I'm treating you like you're a genie in a bottle I'm treating you like you're Santa Claus. It's all about do for me, do for me, do for me, do for me because I have sin indwelling within me and my thinking is not lined up with what God has spoken and what God says about me. I wonder once again, if you were to just measure this week and take a hard look at it, has it been more negative or has it been more positive? Now, We are in a day and age, especially with millennials, where now everything is becoming positive. Positivity for the sake of positivity. Being positive for the sake of being positive. Hoping for the sake of hoping. And and, and if if I can be honest, I, I take issue with that as well. Because us thinking rightly is not dismissing the fact that things in our lives are happening. So I'm not here to do that. But Peter says this. He says, cast your cares upon Jesus because he cares for you. So the reality of the situation is, is if you care about it, God cares about it too. So you can easily swing the pendulum and get on this other side of extremity where you're pretending like everything's okay when it's really not. And so you're coming into church and you're doing terrible, but you're saying you're blessed because you're caught in word of faith and things are getting really weird and you're coming as you should be rather than coming as you are. So I'm not talking about that either, but somewhere kind of in the middle, we need to have this concept of God and this awareness of God that brings a deep, deep understanding to our mind, our will, and our emotions by knowing this sheer fact. Though I don't understand, God is in control. Though, Though I can't see what I think should be happening, 
I know that it is. Though I am failing in this area, God is making up my loose ends. Though I can't, I know that he can. Though this situation seems impossible, that is my God's starting point. And when we begin to meditate, not on our performance or and not on what we have the ability to do, but when we begin to meditate and think on what God has done, what God is doing and what God can do in our lives, suddenly the posture of our souls will go back to an upright state. Now, let's take it a little bit deeper. Let's go deeper if that's okay. Look at your name and say, let's go deeper. Okay. <laughs> some of y'all like, do I say it? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> now, some of us in this room, we get that perspective on Sundays, but we don't know how to get it on Monday. And church for you is a water cooler. You walk up on the verge of death after six days of nothing. And you're like, finally. <laughs> and you hydrate yourself and you're like, this is good. But then you go into your Monday, your Tuesday, your Wednesday, your Thursday, your Friday, your Saturday. And you're like, man, I need that cooler again. And so you come back to Mission Church on Sunday, and I am so happy that you came back. You come back to Mission Church on Sunday, and you are like, hydrate me. Fill me. And that, my friends, can become a very, very, very interesting place to be in. It's okay for a season, but it's not great for the longevity of your life. Because eventually, and I say this in love, Mission Church will not be able to fully give you what you need because Mission Church is not God. Now, the byproduct of Jesus dying is him getting us in relationship with each other. But we already had that before he died. The pure motive of Jesus dying and being resurrected was to get you into relationship with him. And as he gets you into heaven, more so he gets heaven into you, and then you begin to give it away in the earth. And so what I want us to understand is that God wants a relationship with you on a daily basis, and he wants to transform the way that you think about him. And in Romans chapter 12, that's something that we see. We see Paul addressing the negativity bias in a very, very beautiful way. He's like, look, don't be conformed to the behaviors and the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Paul is saying, get your mind on heaven's thinking. In other words, if you're thinking about what heaven is thinking about, you're going to be thinking the right way. But how many know that your circumstances can be, can be contradictory to what you believe about God? But that's actually where faith begins. Faith doesn't begin when we're able to see it. Faith begins when we don't see it and we still believe that God is who he says he is and that though this season is difficult, it will change in Jesus' name. And though this season seems accidental, it's overwhelmingly intentional because God is doing something in me in this season that he cannot do in another one. Like when we have that way of thinking, amazing things happen. But I, I don't even want to focus on that. As crazy as that sounds, I don't even want to focus on that as much. Have you ever, and we don't talk about this a lot in the church, you know, because we, we want to give away hope. We were just saying, Jesus Christ, my living hope. I love it. But something that we talk about in the church a lot is what you do when you fail. 
But I don't know if we talk a lot about like what you do when you succeed. Like sometimes in the church, we so focus so much on failure, 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 because all of us have a commonality of failure. But some of you, you're doing exceptional. Like God is good. Things are going well. You walked into church. You had a pep in your step this morning. You're like, let's go worship. You were moving a little bit more than usual. <laughs> like, you were like, this is great. You're in a great place and and things are happening and, and things are moving. And have you ever been in a position where you don't want your season to change? Not because it's bad, but because it is so incredibly good. And you find yourself having difficulty moving on into what God might be calling you into because where you are is a good place. And even as I was praying for second service specifically, I really felt like I was supposed to preach this message in second service. I feel that there's people in here that are currently being challenged by heaven to do more, but you have a fear of doing more because you love where you are. Where you are is comfortable. Where you are, things are working. Where you are, things are happening. Let me take it a step further. Where you are doesn't take a lot of faith. And y'all, if I could be completely honest, about a year ago, I found myself in the same place. I mean, ministry was sensational. I'm married to the most beautiful girl in the world. She's a Mexican. She's feisty. She's Latina. We've been living the vida loca. I love her. My young adults group is about a thousand plus people. We have two services on a weekly basis that are growing and exploding. 200 plus volunteers. Our EFAM, our 25 department heads, seven intercore leaders, five pastors. I mean, things are moving and it's amazing. And I'm like, yo, we can just stay here forever. But, it, but I had this moment where God was like, do you think this is all I want to do and can do? You don't think I have more? You don't think I have more that I want to do through you and your wife? I'm speaking to people who are elderly in here as well. Oh, God's not done with you. He's just getting started. You think that's all I got, kid, for you and your life and your lineage and your destiny, this? I said, oh, shoot, I don't know. <laughs> and what we see here in Luke's gospel is this really, really, really weird moment, right? Jesus is fresh on the scene. He's like a young rapper on tour. He's hitting different synagogues. He's going to different places. He's building a reputation about his ministry. The song that he's singing is, is, is repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Miracles are happening. Blind eyes are opening. Deaf ears are opening. Lame limbs are coming back into motion. He's turning water into wine. Hey, I mean, God is doing some really, really cool things. But in, it's, it's interesting, though, you guys, to your observation, in Luke chapter 4, verse 40 through 44, we see that he's in the town of Capernaum, and things are moving in a very, very good direction. But if you read a, a, a few verses up before that, he was in a town called Nazareth. Now, Nazareth, things weren't going very good. Things were actually going very bad. He was experiencing some serious, serious rejection. He basically was in his hometown and he professed that he was the, the son of God, that he was the messianic one. He opened up a scroll in the middle of the temple, read out of the book of Isaiah. It says that the people were marveled and they're like, how is he speaking with such authority and such eloquence and such power? But right after that moment, like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Who is, 
is this Mary's son? Like the dude who apparently got born by the spirit? Now, look, I know that, that we're spiritual here and, and we're like, yeah, you know, Jesus was born of a virgin. But you know very well that if a woman walked up to you right after the service and said, the Holy Spirit got me pregnant, you'd be like, really? <laughs> no, you, you know. And so a lot of people look down upon Mary and Joseph because it seemed that Jesus was actually the byproduct of an affair. And that's the reality of the situation. So they instantly start looking at his humanity. They're like, wait, who is this? And Jesus starts speaking with even more authority, and he gets pushed out to a cliff. And they're literally going to kill him, but he parts the crowds and then leaves and says, man, a prophet has no place in his hometown. And from that rejection, his season changes, and he goes to the town of Capernaum, but he gets a complete opposite reaction and response. Like he's in the town of Capernaum and he's being received. He's being loved. He's being affirmed. People are coming to him like, we know that you're God. Heal us, restore us, make us new. There's a revival that's happening in the, in the city of Capernaum. And, 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 and I don't know, but as I was reading this, if I could just be completely vulnerable, I had this thought when I read verse 40, Jesus goes to an isolated place and other versions of the Bible says that he was praying to his father and the people find him and they begin to beg him no 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 don't leave here don't don't leave here don't leave here don't don't leave this place because this place we love you this place we see you this place we affirm you this place we acknowledge you as God you're you're the healer you're Jehovah Rophe you're the messianic one and yet Jesus says I it's time to go because what's happening here has to happen somewhere else. And what do we do, Mission Church, when you guys are running three services and growing like crazy? Celebrating two years of revival, and whether you know it or not, every single one of you play a part of that. The church is a people, and without you, this place does not exist. What do we do when you guys have grown to hundreds and hundreds of people in two years? I think sometimes the fear of growth is that you're growing. Things are moving. Things are happening. And, and look what God has done. And all these different perspectives come in like, wow, this is amazing. Oh, this building is amazing. Oh, this and that, another service. But I, I wonder if God has more for you than you could ever imagine. I wonder if you have been thinking or wondering that you guys haven't even scratched the surface, that there is so much more miraculous power God wants to pour out upon the region of Walnut Creek through every single one of you, through, through you. There's more that God wants to, to do through you. But let's make this personal, of course. What about your marriage? What about your children? What about your employment? Could it be that God wants to do more in that than he's currently doing? You know, Ephesians 3.20 gets me going, man. It's a crazy verse. It says, now to him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we could ever ask, think, or imagine. So if I can think it and I can imagine it, are you telling me that God wants to exceed even that? Mm. That's a word. And so... I just want to stir your faith a little bit by, by just telling you a, a quick testimony. 
just real quick, and I pray that it gives you faith to believe that God wants to do more in you. And when you are tempted to not move on, or excuse me, yeah, when you are tempted to not move on and stay where you are, that you will know that there are people in this world that need what you got. And this is very, very big. In 2018, I had the opportunity to be the, the keynote speaker at California State University, Monterey Bay. Um, great, great, great opportunity. <laughs> Ooh, you talk about God doing more than we could have ever imagined. I never thought I'd be a keynote speaker anywhere. If you would have told me, like, I barely graduated college, like, C's get degrees, you know, like, it just, it wasn't, it wasn't it, man. And so I never thought I'd be a keynote speaker anyway. I was 25 at the time, and, and I got this opportunity specifically for the African-American community. They had a record-setting number of African-American graduates, 63 from that university, and I got to go there, and, uh, and I was really concerned. I'm like, God, what do I say? Like, do I talk about like Martin Luther King and like Harriet Tubman? Like, what do I, <laughs> can I be honest with you also? I was like, what do I like talk about? Like, I don't even know where to begin. I'm like, bare, like the history I know is the Bible. Like I know about my people, but like you really need to help me. And I felt like God just gave me a very deep sense. Like, look, you just need to be you. Don't be a cheap copyright of somebody else. Be a great original. Just be you. And so my opening line, <laughs> my opening line at this college, I was like, look, y'all, uh, I'm short, I'm black, and I'm a preacher. So I'm going to preach the gospel to every single one of you, and I'm going to give you a four-point sermon, and if you like it, amazing. If you don't, I'm sorry. And I just started preaching, and God just showed up. Y'all, it was like being in a Pentecostal church, right? Because it was like, there was like obviously like grandmas there and stuff, and a grandma got up and started like fanning herself, and like... You know, I'm not, no, like she started fanning herself and I look in the back and a grandmother in the very back started shaking her tambourine. I'm like, she brought a tambourine to a, I mean, I just hear. And I'm like, what? I, I, it just turned into a circus, right? And the spirit of God was just showing up and moving and it was amazing, right? Now in 2018, was the time that our young adults group went from like around 400 to like 1,000. Like we just hit like a crazy, crazy spike in growth. And so everything was exploding, everything was growing. And afterward, I, I, I had an older pastor walk up to me and he grabbed me and tears were running down his face. And he'd been in the Monterey, the Monterey area for over 30 years and he grabbed my face, tears running down his face. This man in his 70s, he's like, man of God. He's like, whatever it is that you kids got, it's what Monterey needs. And suddenly I'm like, oh, shoot. Oh, shoot. Now I'm a visionary. Things get really weird. I'm very emotionally driven. I'm like, oh, shoot. We're going to Monterey next week. <laughs> We're going to Monterey. Right? So I'm really excited. I get in the car. I'm driving with my wife. She, well, we weren't even married at that time. She's my fiance. I'm like, baby, I feel like God's about to take us to Monterey. And she's like, baby, slow down. I was like, you slow down. I was like, we got work to do. Right? And I, we went to Black Bear Diner where Jesus lives, fried chicken and waffles. And I'm eating. I'm like, we're going to Monterey. Like, I'm just super excited. <laughs> then I went to my senior pastor and I was like, Pastor Bill, we're going to Monterey. And he's like, no, you're not. And I was like, oh, what happened to Monterey? <laughs> the right thing at the wrong time is the wrong thing. And I don't want some of you to give up on dreams that God has given you because they haven't happened yet. 
There's two types of times that are talked about in the Bible, the Kronos and the Kairos. The Kronos is the day-to-day calendar. That's what you control. The Kairos is the opportunity or the appointed time. That's like the moments in the Bible where like Sarah gets pregnant with Isaac. That's the moment in the Bible where God delivers his people. That's the moments in the Bible where they march around the, the uh, where they march around Jericho and the walls actually fall. That's the moment in the Bible where Mary gets pregnant with Jesus. That's the moment in the Bible where Jesus dies on the cross. Like those are the moments in the Bible where the promises of God come forth. You can't control that. You can only control the day-to-day calendar. The opportune moments are few and far in between in life. They only happen when God wants them to happen. But we live in the day-to-day calendar with expectation that it's coming. In 2018, he told me, You're gonna, it's going to happen there. Wait. I was like, okay, God. A month and a half ago, a young lady named Asia, who's in our young adults group, She's sensational. She ended up uh, coming to my wife and I's house, and uh, we had dinner, and out of nowhere, tears just start running down her face uncontrollably. She just starts crying, and she's like, hey, guys, so as you guys know, I opened up a shop called The Hem. It's a a nutrition shop, and they basically just serve teas and and shakes, and she's, (laughs) she's killing it. She's being very successful. She's right on a strip in downtown Seaside, and she's like, hey, would you guys, uh, would you guys be open to having services in my coffee shop? And I looked at my wife. I was like, we're going to Monterey. <laughs> I went to my senior pastor. I was like, hey, are we going to Monterey? <laughs> He's like, you can start having services there once a month. I was like, <laughs> so... This past Thursday, we had our first service. I didn't tell Encounter about it. Encounter hasn't even heard about it. I've told you guys. I didn't tell Encounter because they all would have came and ruined it. And so we only told 15 leaders. Too many of them, they all would have showed up like, we're in Monterey. I'm like, no, we're here to reach Monterey. Stay in San Jose, right? So we only told 15 leaders, and we went down there. Y'all, we had 80-plus people show up. We We saw six people make public decisions to follow Jesus. And, and we're having services there once a month. And I, I could pretty much, I can't guarantee growth, but it seems like we're probably going to double every time because of the reputation already is just spreading and we're working with other churches. What I'm trying to get you to understand is that you were not created for safe living. The biggest lie that the enemy is telling the church is that you were created to be comfortable. The devil is a liar. And it's not that you shouldn't have good stewardship and set up your 401ks and set up retirement and set up legacy. That is all overwhelmingly biblical men and women of God. But show me safety in the Bible. Show me a safe life. Show me comfort. Show me, like, where is it? Where is comfort in the Bible? It says, it says um, in, the, in the book of, I believe it's Philippians, that, that Paul says that it was for the joy that was set before him that Christ endured the cross. Like, it's this idea, men and women of God, that we were not created to be comfortable. And we were not created for security, but we were created to literally get out of the boat and know what it means to walk on that which we should be drowning in. Like, that's what we were created for as the church. And what I want you to know is that this is for us as a collective church. This is for Mission Church. This is for our small groups. This is for our services. This is for building projects. This is for our city. This is for missions. This is for our worship experience. This is for our serving opportunities that are all throughout here, our team nights, team nights, and etc. But it's even deeper than that. 
This is for you as individuals. This is for your family. This is for your business. This is for your ideas and your strategies and things that you want to see happen in your legacy. What if I told you that you actually going into places that you've never been is actually the key to you experiencing God in a way that you never have. But unless you leave the comfort of where you are, you will never be, you will never be able to experience you going into a coffee shop, wondering if people will show up and seeing salvation take place the power of God is like motion censored lights men and women of God when you move the power comes and many people are waiting on God to move when in reality God is waiting on you to move because what is bound on earth will be bound in heaven. What is loosed on earth will be loosed in heaven. It's the idea that movement on earth gets the attention of heaven. And in 2018, there was a move that was made in the spirit. There was trust that was made in the spirit. And now two years later, we are believing in faith that revival will come to the community of Seaside and beyond as the church sacrificially gives of her time, gives of her affection, gives of her resources once again so that, so that ordinary people can encounter an extraordinary God in Jesus name but what I want to close with is not what what we did not what we did by we I'm talking about my wife and I and my volunteers I don't want to talk about them I want to talk about how dope Asia is dope means good by the way in this context I'll tell you about Asia a young entrepreneur in her late 20s, killing it, getting ready to open up another another hem nutrition shop in St. Louis Obispo she's ripping it up for the Lord's glory, killing it let me tell you about her because the only reason why we could come in there and do what we didn't have that amount of people show up is not because of our reputation. Nobody knows us out there. It's simply because of her and her group of employees. You see, Asia is right next to a, a massage parlor. And when she got her shop going about a year ago, she became keenly aware that that massage parlor was doing things that they probably shouldn't do. In a year of her being there, she's never even seen a woman walk in that room. She's like, men will get off of work, construction worker guys will get off of work, and they'll go in there for 10, 15 minutes, they'll come right out. And her heart was beginning to break for her community. And so what she decided to do is she said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to these, these coffee shops. Oh, excuse me, I'm going to go to this massage parlor every morning, and I'm going to offer these ladies free drinks and free shakes on me. She's been doing it for the last six months. Just here, take it. I love you ladies, you guys just come into my shop, just, just be in my shop if you need anything. And these girls would literally, I'm sorry for being explicit, but we have to talk about how broken our world actually is. These, these women would get done with sexually explicit acts on men and go to the hem and weep in the arms of Asia. There's four cannabis shops, weed. There's four cannabis shops on her strip and God burned her heart. She's like, I need to start building a relationship with these people. She started giving them free teas and free shakes. Then they came to her like, hey, we want to like make a weed drink with you. She's like, uh, I don't think, no, it's okay. But like, you know, God can do, you know, no, no, for real. They're like, can we make like a CBD? She's like, no, but I love you, you know. And she started building this rapport with people that were broken. See, when we think about the church, we tend to think about pastors and leaders, but, 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 but the church is people and organizations and, and businesses, and that's where the kingdom of God wants to expand in your passion. Like, suddenly, a Thursday night basketball group can become an opportunity for you to be salt and light. Like, really weird things happen when the church decides to be the church. And so she just started bringing all this stuff, and y'all, in the middle of me preaching, in this shop, just like this, just the gospel, shouting, sweating, no mics, got my towel. It's incredible. 
All of a sudden, this woman starts weeping uncontrollably 10 minutes into my message, sobbing. And people were kind of looking around, I'm like, let her be. The Lord's working on her. Just kept preaching. She, let her, she later made a public decision to follow Jesus. She raised her hand and responded to the gospel. I found out after that service, she walked up and introduced herself to me. She's like, yeah. I, I'm like, so what do you do? She's like, I work at that, that massage parlor next door. And Asia's just next to me, tears running down her face. And I'm like, whoa. And I had this thought pop in my head for the first time in context of Luke chapter 4. I'm like, man, what, what if we wouldn't have gone? Church, what if, what if you don't go? Some of you are like, I don't know where to go. God will show you. He'll give you the provision. But I deeply sense that there's some people in here as I get ready to conclude where you're like, I, God is calling you to a deeper place. And can I say that I know it's scary? Capernaum is great. But in the words of Jesus, there's other people that need this message. And so he went. So that he could ultimately, in conclusion of this message, get to you. So he could get to you. And what if I told you that it's not as much about God getting you to heaven as it is him getting heaven into you? That, my friends is how you will continue to see revival in Walnut Creek and beyond. In Jesus' name. Thanks again for listening to the Mission Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Bay Area, we invite you to come join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at missionchurchca.com. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.